0: Welcome to the show. Here's my dad.
1: On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, we welcome Nicole Witt back to the show as we talk about how infant adoption has changed, along with tips for hopeful adoptive parents. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. My name's tim elder i am a dad of three through infant adoption and this is the show all about domestic infant adoption so if you're a faithful listener maybe this is your first time listening i welcome you and thank you for joining me again as we enter episode number 53 and our guest is nicole witt the executive director of the adoption consultancy and she's been helping build families through adoption for many years She's a frequent speaker on adoption, and uh, she's also a professional member of RESOLVE, the National Infertility Association. She's also a recognized as an adoption information source for from all over the country. Um, she's actually even been an re- expert witness in, in a court case where the, she had to come in and explain about adoption. So she's also been interviewed by all sorts of media, including Fox News, World News Tonight, CBS News, many other outlets, including on this show back on episode number 17, so her site is theadoptionconsultancy.com. If you don't need to worry about writing that down, we'll have that in the show notes for you at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 53. So as we start here in 2018, I think it's a great idea for us to take a look back really on how infant adoption has changed over the years, how different it is now than just a few years ago. And for example, you know, the internet's playing a huge part in the adoption process and it continues to evolve and it continues to change how We, as hopeful adoptive parents, enter the process and get through the process, but also the expectant parents, expectant mom. So I'm so glad to have Nicole back on the show because she is so involved as an adoption consultant on many different aspects of adoption. She deals with it every day. So that's what we're going to do on the show. We want to give you the tips and resources that will help you manage all these changes. So let's get into the interview right now with Nicole Witt. Okay. Welcome, Nicole. How are you doing today?
0: I am doing great. Thanks for having me back.
1: Oh, yes. Great to have you back. You know, it's been 36 episodes since you were last on the podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> way back in episode no, number I did 17. Not know that. Yeah. Way back in episode number 17, you came on and we're talking about uh, adoption consultants and what you do. So that was great to have you back on the show. I know you always bring great information and great stories to share with us. So it's great to have you back. And uh, this topic is great too, because we're talking about the change going on in the adoption world. And we mm-hmm. know it's changing and it has changed over the years and we as hopeful adoptive parents really want to and need to keep up with these changes as we look to build our families. We need to stay on top of things really to help us adopt faster and easier and hopefully with less risk and less money even. So that's what we're all about today. Yeah. And that's what we're going to discuss and I, I'm ready to jump into the questions. And My first one is, you, know, you being an adoption consultant, I know you see a lot of different angles of the adoption world working with agencies and attorneys and and with uh, birth parents and hopefully adoptive families. So how do you think right. a infant adoption has changed over the past several years?
0: Well, you know, I, I've been doing this for, for coming up on 15 years now, and I think probably more things have changed than haven't. I think some of the basic underlying principles are the same, but so many of of kind of the details and how things uh, are are approached have changed. But I think some of the big ones are, uh, and I think we'll delve more into each of these, but I think some of the big ones are that there are fewer adoptions Happening these days than there used to be. Um, unfortunately, there is a, a higher rate of ad- adoption matches not going through until placement, um, and then of course there's the implications of um, technology technological changes both on the adoption process itself and on families, you know, post adoption.
1: Right. Yeah. Man, we could break. We need to break down each one of those because each one of those are big.
0: Right. Um, <laughs> I'd like yes, you to discuss
1: really what fall-through rates mean, just in case somebody listening to this might go, what does that mean? How would you explain fall-through rates?
0: Yeah, so so the way that I, I look at that is that's from when people have been matched, so hopeful adoptive parents have been matched with an expectant mom, and then for some reason or another, that doesn't result in that baby being placed with the adoptive parents.
1: Yeah, through whatever reason, and I know there's a ton of different reasons that could happen, but uh, the biggest one probably is just... The birth mom changing her mind. Which which happens.
0: Yes. And and you know, that that is the biggest one and those are truly are you know, honest changes of heart. Mm -hmm. And I think when that happens you know, often nobody's more surprised than the birth mom herself, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, sometimes if she doesn't see it coming, it's pretty hard for anybody else to see it coming. But I think one of the reasons that is a little bit on the rise is that, and again, it ties into the point about technology. It's so much easier for her to get a lot of information online about how the process works and what her rights are and so on. Um, And and I think from that perspective, you know, that's a very positive thing because I don't think anybody wants uh, an expectant mom going through with an adoption because she wasn't informed about her options. Right. Um, You know, so, so that, that aspect of it is positive. I think the, uh, the downside is that, For those few bad apples out there who kind of tend to give more people a bad name who truly are looking to to work the system or scam the system, there's also more information out there for them about Mm -hmm. how to do it, right? So I think that is a little bit on the rise as well. So it's just that much more important to, you know, to protect yourself and to be able to, you know, look closely at each case and, and assess it for red flags and risks and that kind of thing. Yeah. The good news is that those still don't happen nearly as much as people think. Um, You know, you hear numbers kicked around that fall throughs happen, you know, a third of the time. And that feels very high to me. I think that that includes all kinds of situations, you know, people meeting each other online, people working with disreputable sources. Um, You know, I would say with the placing entities that I work with, it's probably closer to maybe that that 10 or 15% number, you know, there are no hard statistics on it. Right. Um, so it certainly does happen, you know, and it's a risk of adoption, but but it doesn't happen as much as people think that it does.
1: Yeah. That's one of the scary things, I think, when you're heading into the adoption process is what if that happens? We get into it and we're, we're on the hook financially, we're on the hook emotionally, and then the rug kind of gets pulled out from under us. And there's no way to really prepare for that. Uh, it's just a hard No, Yeah, and I
0: think fact. that is adoptive parents' biggest fear, and, and mm-hmm. rightly so.
1: We can get into that a little bit later. Let's jump into a few other things, real quick, about the fewer placements. And I know a lot of people have asked about what well, statistics, you know, how many placements do we have every year? And it's so hard because nobody really tracks the number of placements every year. If we, we'd have to go to every county or every agency, every right. attorney, um, and then even miss some of the independent ones, like you're talking about, people just meet each other. So how do you yeah. how do we even know there are fewer replacements?
0: Well, I think you know certainly with international we know, right? Cuz right. that you can look at, you know, how many visas are are being given to the babies or the children Um, so that has certainly dropped and even if with that without looking at those numbers it's just obvious because so many of the large robust programs have closed you know Um, Russia's closed Guatemala's closed Vietnam is closed Uh, well Vietnam's open to to a very few placements right now you know China has such a much longer wait time than they used to because they're doing so many fewer placements so international adoption has certainly dropped and so then you have a lot of those families who otherwise would have pursued international looking to pursue domestic adoption. Mm-hmm. So even if the domestic numbers were the same, you would still have more hopeful adoptive parents kind of looking, you know, to adopt those babies. But, uh, you know, I think just, you know, even without having the hard statistics, just knowing that, um you know, it, it is easier for expectant moms to terminate a pregnancy. There's certainly much more um, societal support and less of a stigma um, for single motherhood, you know, than there used to be. Um, so those, you know, those options are out there as well. So I think all of that has really come together to, uh, to lead to, to fewer placements and for, for more adoptive families looking for those placements.
1: Yeah, it's true. There are some organizations that uh, over the years have done some surveying and those kind of things just to try to get a grasp of how many placements there really are and what kind of placements there are, you know, how many infants, how many of different races and those kinds of things. So we do have data, just not nothing really conclusive because nobody tracks it all, which would be very difficult to do and how we handle our adoptions in this country. But mm-hmm. I think we can agree that and for the most part, there are fewer placements than, than even just a few years ago. Right. Let's talk about, uh, you mentioned the, the pros and cons of how, like having an online presence for your adoption. And um, you mentioned a little bit about what that means for a birth mom, being able to have some access to the internet and have some more information. But what about the Hope Adopted mm-hmm. Families?
0: Yeah, you know, I think pretty much these days, anytime when anybody has an unanswered question, right, the first thing you do is go online to look for the answer. So, you know, I think expectant moms are are no different. And if they're starting to consider the idea of adoption, you know, that's often going to be the first place where they go for information. But you're right. It really is very much of a a double-edged sword because, um, again, you have the, the very honest, reputable people who are looking there for information, But it's also if you're looking for a potential match online, you're opening yourself up to so many disreputable people and and people who are out there looking to scam the system and you, you know somebody on the other end of the computer may not even be pregnant or may not even be female you know yeah, really? whereas somebody who goes and sits across the desk from somebody uh, an adoption agency you know you have to be a little bit more on on the up and up so it is a double edged sword, but I think there is a way to kind of get the benefit of that and and, and manage the risk and, and that 's really. Um, And certainly there are direct matches and success stories of people who, who meet each other directly online all the time. But again, it opens you up to the risk. So by working with agencies and attorneys that are taking advantage of those online opportunities, whether they are doing outreach for their agency or attorney generally to expectant moms or whether they are kind of posting some people's profiles without their direct contact information and doing some outreach that way you can get the benefit of that presence, but still having the potential birth moms go through those entities, you know, and having the agencies and the attorneys doing all that vetting before any match is ever made, uh, I think kind of gives you the, the pros without the cons.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I think some people, at least that I've talked to, are they want that but they don't they know that higher cost kinda of comes with that. So it's kind of weighing of, okay, I can't really afford a forty thousand dollar adoption, but I could just take the risk of getting doing an independent adoption, and finding my own match. But the risk goes like you said, way up there. So for hopeful adopted right. families and, it's and, really and, hard.
0: Know, not just the emotional risk, but also the financial oh. risk, you know. So every situation's gonna be different in terms of that that cost and what you're looking at. But if you do, you know, you could potentially lose more money in a case like that, you know, than than going through an agency or attorney. So those are all different
1: aspects of it to, to be weighed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a hard one to weigh right there. Cause you have to look at your budget, but also your ability to handle doing an independent adoption. So, well, let's Mm -hmm. talk about, um, what we can do. Well, actually one thing I wanted to, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned the risks and you mentioned, um, scams or fraud or, you know, women or possibly men mm-hmm. posing as a expectant mother, hoping to get some monetary compensation or something back from hopefully their after parents scamming them out of that. Right. Playing like they're an expected mother. Do you see that has changed over the last few years? Like, to try to scam people, do you think it's increased or how do you think it's changed?
0: Well, I, I do think it has increased a little bit because of you know again all that information online and and figuring out how to do it and so on and, and tying in with that, I think that the people who do that um, have become more sophisticated at it, um, you know, and there are all kinds of groups online that you know, they share information to try to keep people from falling into these scams, which is great. But at the same time, they're sharing the information with <laughs> the potential scammers. You know, they can find it too and say, oh, that's how they figured this one out. Let me do it differently next time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think it has increased and has gotten a bit more sophisticated. Um, but I think that brings us back to kind of one of the things of, of adoption that, that hasn't changed, which is just It's just always so critical to have a reputable, experienced, informed team. Um, And, you know, they are going to know how the scams are becoming more sophisticated. They're going to know what to look for. So they're staying on top of that as well. So having those people on your team who can look at cases, who can spot the red flags is really critical because somebody who's just kind of brand new to it and puts their name out there on the internet um, and doesn't realize you know, how easy it can be to get, say, a, a false proof of pregnancy or something like that, they're much more easily fooled.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, more easily targeted how about uh, the cost of adoption? Do you think that has changed over the last several years? And if so, why? Um,
0: you know, it, it has. It, it continues to creep up, unfortunately. Um, you know, but I, I think that's just, you know, similar to so many other things in the market. You know, it's because a lot of the attorney's hourly fees are going up mm-hmm. it's because the cost of um, some of the birth moms, different pregnancy related expenses are going up. I, you know, I haven't seen any categories that have had, you know, unusual or really significant jumps. I've seen more of just sort of a, a creeping, Mm -hmm. you know, as, as we go along.
1: Do you think um, in working with attorneys and agencies, their level of services have gone up over the years? Like maybe they are more some offer I've seen this in my little world about some agencies, even facilitators have increased the level of service. So like before they would say, okay, we'll help you with a match. And now we're going to be, well, we'll help you with the match, but we're also going to hold your hand through how to make a profile and how to make a video and how to make an online presence and how to share yourself out there on the internet and and maybe even more of a marketing type aspect to their services. Have you seen that increase or change?
0: Um, I've seen, you know, certainly third parties that offer, you know, different elements of those and some have different niches and sometimes agencies partner, you know, with mm-hmm. those third parties rather than taking some of that on themselves, where I think I've seen the biggest difference in what agencies and attorneys offices in, in the states where the attorneys are allowed to do these things, um, which is a wonderful thing, is really much more focus on the services to the expectant moms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really making sure that they are understanding their role and their rights and their choices in the process, um, really encouraging them to accept counseling or if they don't want to go to formal counseling, some of the agencies have, you know, informal birth mom support groups of their own. And then even beyond placement, you know, more and more places are offering birth moms, you know, lifetime um, counseling and, and job training and and things like that, and that's you know that wasn't always the case. so I think that has been a real positive change um, in, in everybody's consciousness about this and and what services are really important to make sure that this can be as positive an experience as possible for everyone involved.
1: Yeah, I really like that. That's so important and I think it has gotten lost in the past of, of mm-hmm. the birth mom support. Especially post-placement, you know, they're still yes. crisis. They're still struggling, and maybe even worse than before placement. So, uh,
0: uh, yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately, you know, most expect moms refuse counseling during mm. the pregnancy, and and a lot of times, you know, when they realize, boy, I sure could use some help, is is after the placement. So, you know, knowing that they can go back to the agency you know, one week, one month, five years mm-hmm. after the placement and say, I, I could use that help now. Um, it is really great that that's available.
1: So as hopeful adoptive parents, is that something important we should be asking our agencies or the people that we're working with? How much post adoption support do you have?
0: I, I think so. And I think that there is increased awareness of that as well. and And I think that has come along with, you know, adoptions, becoming more and more open over time, you know, which is another change. Uh, many of them are still not, you know, fully open, as a lot of people think that they are, think, oh, I have to be comfortable with that jumping in. But they're certainly more open than they were, you know, a generation ago. And by having the the expectant moms, and then they become the birth moms, you know, um, s- more involved in the process, both before, during, and after, um, you know, I think has raised everybody's awareness about um, about their role and about the importance to really try to understand what is the other person's experience versus, you know, it used to be more, um, almost a bit more transactional, if you will, with adoptive parents sort of going to an agency. And it was about, you know, I want a baby. I think now it's more about let's find the right person. Let's build a relationship. Let's let's make a good choice here for everybody. Um, and, and that's been a really great change. And I, I think probably most of all for the babies.
1: Absolutely. I know it was a change in us. I mean, we've had three adoptions and when we first started, we were scared of openness because <laughs> we were just mm-hmm. a little bit uh, out of our ignorance. We just didn't know. Most people are when they yeah. start. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we just didn't know. And uh, the more we learn and the more we have an actual relationship with our kids as birth parents, and we see what happens with that relationship and how beneficial it can be not only for us but more importantly for the children, uh, it's huge. And so I think you're right. I, I hope that change is continuing to happen as more and more people realize openness in adoption is is huge. And it is, openness is different than just open. I think you're right. People get a little misconception there. Open adoption is full disclosure everybody knows everything about everybody and that's not necessarily the case there are different varying levels of openness and adoption and we've done right podcasts on that and we've had uh, definite articles uh, on the blog about that so
0: yeah and i think openness can be as much a a mindset as it is you know what information is exchanged and, and what is not exchanged
1: absolutely yeah that's a that's a big topic to tackle, and I would encourage anybody <laughs> listening to this. If you're a little bit weary of openness, or maybe not understanding what openness is, go look at it on the Infinite Option Guide blog, or podcast, or or anywhere else on the internet. And you'll you'll get some good information about
0: that. Yeah, that's great because, yes, yeah, so many people are, are scared of that when, mm-hmm. when they start. And I think it turns a lot of people off to adoption. So, yeah, it's it's really important to understand what it is, what it's not. You know, it's not co-parenting. Yes, um, It's not, you know, unannounced visitors on your doorstep, you know, <laughs> things like that.
1: That's exactly right. Yes. Well, let's get into some tips like uh, what can we share with Hopeful Adopted Parents about what can help them with dealing with some of these changes, helping them adopt faster, less risk, what kind of tips can you share with us?
0: Well, in terms of adopting faster, um, you know, again, I think the the underlying basis of that is something that hasn't changed, although the way people go about it may change. And um, there are basically, I think, kind of three pieces that are going to have some of the biggest impact on time. Of course, there are other <laughs> other things as well. But, you know, one is... Um, you know, getting yourself out there and getting as much exposure as you can to potential birth moms, um, whether you are choosing to do your own outreach and or whether you are working with Multiple agencies and attorneys, you know, a lot of people who are new to adoption still think, oh, once I'm ready to adopt I just go sign up with this one agency down the street and then I wait however long they tell me to wait, Um, and you really can be a lot more proactive about that and there are many places out there that will allow you to sign up. With multiple agencies, multiple attorneys, and there are many great, reputable places that charge very little in the way of application fees. So it's it's financially reasonable to do that. You're not looking at spending thousands of dollars with with each place that you sign up with. So the more exposure you can have, the more opportunities you're going to have. Um, then when you have opportunities, uh, you know, having that great profile, whatever format it's going to take, um, but you know, you have to have a great profile to really communicate who you are to make that connection with the right birth mom. Um, You're not trying to match with any birth mom. I always tell people you're not trying to sell yourself and convince her to choose you if you're not the right family, but you need to really effectively communicate the type of family you are so that she can make an informed choice and and you have that opportunity to really connect with her. So having that great profile is going to help you. Um, And then being as, you know, flexible as you can regarding your parameters of the child that you're willing to adopt. Again, the more flexible you are, the more opportunities you're going to have, whether that's um, flexible in um, race, in social medical background, in in your budget, um, in what kind of openness you're willing to accept. You know, these are all areas where, where the more flexible that you are the more opportunities you'll have and you know I, I always tell my clients it, you shouldn't ever have to go outside of your comfort zone but what you should do is really do some thinking and some soul-searching and some research about what are the boundaries of that comfort zone you know I think all of our initial reactions to all almost any decision in life is you kind of go right into the bullseye, you know, in the center of that comfort zone. But as you learn more, you might realize, oh, hey, you know, I really could be comfortable with X or Y, but now maybe Z is still off the table. Um, But, you know, having those those conversations, that introspection to figure out, you know, what really works for me, again, the more flexible you are, the more opportunities you're going to have, the faster things are going to go.
1: Yeah, I would say to add on to that a little bit, in our experience, we've found several families, many families actually, in, our, in and around our circle of friends and our, through our family that have adopted. And maybe they've adopted multiracially. Maybe they've adopted from different parts of the of the country. And you know, maybe the outside of what we thought maybe our preferences were like, hey, well, what, they did it. What did, how was their experience and what did they think? And mm-hmm. that opened our eyes a little more to, oh, yeah, that's probably something we can do. You know, so they've right. they've done it, and they've kind of shared with us how they've done it and what the pros and cons were, and so that that really opened our eyes.
0: Yeah, and, and talking to those people, you know, sometimes it may validate that okay, that's not the path for me, and that's important information too. But Absolutely. right, other times it, it might make you think, wow, the, you know, I never thought about that, but that mm-hmm. could work too.
1: Yeah, one thing I wanted to bring up too, and we've had a, this discussion on the podcast before, but how do you think it's changed? the drug use and abuse going on in the country seems like it's on a rise. It feels like it's even more in the adoption world than it has been before. As far as uh, expectant moms having some uh, use and abuse of drugs or alcohol. And as hopefully adoptive parents, we kind of got to gauge our level of comfort with that as well. Okay. The birth moms had this much exposure or this much use during a pregnancy. And how do you, deal with that. Do you think that's changed over the years, the last few years?
0: Um, it's a a little bit. I don't think quite as drastically as a lot of people think or fear, at least, you know, with the places that I work with and, and kind of what I've seen, Mm -hmm. um, You know, unfortunately, I I still see that most birth moms smoke cigarettes, but not to the extent that they used to. So that's gone down, I I think, um, at least in terms of smoking less frequently. So that's good. Um, I still, you know, I don't see a lot of, you know, heavy drinkers or, or really hard drug use, you know, in terms of like, you know, shooting heroin or, you know, Mm -hmm. needle drugs, Mm -hmm. things like that. That's, I I don't see that uh, hardly at all, which is great. Um, you know, I I think what there has been a little bit of an increase in is when it comes to like pain pills, things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, you know, and as a result of that expectant moms who are on medically managed methadone or subutex programs. Um, so you know, there again, there are pros and cons. I'm I'm no doctor. I certainly can't give medical advice, but you know, my understanding is that methadone and Subutex, you know, there are some studies out there that show that they're they're relatively benign. And then if an expectant mom is in one of those programs, um, you know, she's getting drug tested regularly. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what you're dealing with, and it's it's less of the the unknown mystery, you know, which, which can be better than a case where maybe, you know, you think everything's fine, but you don't really know, you know, what, what's happening. Um, but that's probably where I've seen the biggest change again, is when it comes to, to kind of pain pills and those, those medical programs affiliated with that. Um, I haven't really seen significant change in, in other categories
1: okay yeah that's good yeah it's it's interesting it's kind of come up a a few times here and there especially on our facebook groups uh so i just thought i'd ask that um what other tips uh we've, we've covered several uh so far for hopefully families that would help them uh overcome some of these changes or deal with some of these changes that are happening any other tips you see especially as the adoption world continues to change
0: yeah, I, you know, I, I think just, again, have, having that experienced team, because I don't know that it's really reasonable for anybody who doesn't have adoption as their full-time job yeah. to be on top of all of these things. You know, it, it's hard enough for the, for those of us who do have adoption as their full-time job. So I think, you know, working with the reputable, experienced, knowledgeable, knowledgeable professionals who are staying on top of all those things as, you know, part of their work, rather than trying to manage all of that yourself. I mean, of course you want to be as informed and up to date as possible. Um, but I just think there's so much at risk. There are so many moving parts, um, that you really want to have a team that you're comfortable with and that you trust.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's big. I want to ask a little bit of a, of a selfish question here, I guess. Well, it's not, it's sort of selfish. (laughs) Um, my, What's near and dear to my heart are adoption profile videos. And, you know, we've created mm-hmm. some for all of our adoptions, and I think they've just been huge as far as connecting to our kids as birth parents. And so, you know, I've even created a site, adoptionprofilevideo.com, to help people make their own videos. And I just wanted to ask you, I guess, what your experiences with it what you think about videos and as part of people's profile is it is it becoming bigger do you see it as uh, how effective do you see them
0: it it depends to me it depends on on how they're used um in in terms of what their effectiveness is Mm -hmm. um you know yeah they're definitely becoming bigger and i think they will continue to be bigger um but just as, again, to me, it, so much of it is, is just similar to the profile, right? You can have really ineffective profiles and you can have really ineffective mm, videos and, right. and you can have really effective ones on, on both sides. Um, and I almost see with a lot of videos that are out there online, I don't know if it's a bit of the, you know, the selfie culture or what it is, <laughs> but I find that videos, people's immediate inclination, I think they're a little bit more self focus, then I think uh, these days when people kind of sit down and write a profile, you know, they tend to come across a little bit more as, you know, just kind of look at our fabulous life and look at what we're all about, Mm -hmm. where I think it's so important if you're going to invest the time and energy to do it, make sure you're really thinking about your audience and what are the things that she wants to know about you and what's going to be important for her in choosing the family that she wants her child to grow up with just as you do with the profile, you know, and, and making sure you're, you're communicating again what she cares to hear. Um, I, I think people, uh, like I said, when, when, as soon as that, you know, they, they turn their phone on themselves, I, you know, I don't feel like they're sort of as planned out or a lot yeah. of them are as effective. So I think if you're going to do it again, working with a professional, just, um, you know, somebody who can help you figure out what are the right messages or what are the important, um categories to cover so that she has the information she needs about you to make that video be effective. You know, a video just for the sake of having a video isn't going to do anything if it doesn't communicate the information that she's looking for to get answered.
1: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I've seen a lot of bad videos and I've seen some really good ones. And I think the good ones are the people that are very sincere, that kind of thought about what they wanted to say. And then also like you said, it's not just about me, me, me. It's more about this is what right. life would be like for your child in our family. Yes, and I think that's right. huge because that's
0: really that's the bottom line. That's all she really cares about, right? <laughs> right. Yeah,
1: and we as hopeful adoptive parents kind of overlook that and don't think about it as often. I, some people do. I've seen some great videos and they do a great job of of sharing that. And I think they probably get picked faster. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to throw it out there because I, I think videos are big it, a, a really well made videos is, is big and just like you said with the profiles it is it is the same okay so um what i'm wrapping up here let's talk about some stories do you have any stories you could share about families that you've had that recently successfully adopted and that you could uh, point us to of why why maybe why they success, successfully adopted or what they did
0: yeah um mind or well two stories couple couple couples. Um well one is a a couple um Sarita and Guillermo um and I worked with them a few years ago back in two thousand and fifteen. We worked together um when they adopted their daughter and they adopt her adopted her pretty quickly. They adopted her and from once they were kind of out there ready to be presented to expectant moms, um, they adopted within four months, which was wonderful. And then Um, Yeah, so the next year, 2016, they wanted to adopt again um, and kind of, you know, Try to do it on their own, and you know I think just even in that year, you know things change a little bit. And um, again, if you're not doing adoption every single day, you know you're you forget some of the details of how to approach things and so on. And and they tried at it for a year and just you know weren't having success, weren't getting the opportunities that they wanted, and so on. So um, so you know they they gave me a call and we started working together again um, in the fall, and we did our, our consultation back in November. And they ended up matching in December and adopting in January. Wow. Um, so they adopted their, yeah. So it went really quickly the second time too. Again, once they kind of, you know, had things in place and were up to speed on here's how I need to approach it now. Um, so I think that shows kind of how quickly, you know, the adoption world can change a little bit. And again, what a difference that made for them as soon as they got kind of that right network back in place. Um, so that was really great, and I always like working with with you know people who I've worked with before. It's always so fun <laughs> when they come back. Um, and then the other family um, that I was thinking of was um, uh, Kate and Caesar. Uh, they're they're from here in Florida, and I, I think that just kind of speaks to the story or what we were talking about is just kind of the the flexibility. So I just worked with them recently, and. Um, they got out there, had their profile done, ready to be presented, um, in early December. And they got a call middle of January, uh, about a baby girl that had already been born two days earlier. Um, and so there, you know, there wasn't a ton of information. Um, she had been drug exposed, but you know, there, there was enough information where, you know, they felt comfortable and they were, they were willing to take that leap of faith. So, you know, they had her. In their arms five weeks after starting their process.
1: Right? Wow.
0: So, you know, that's, that's not the right situation for everybody, but for them, you know, it was perfect because they had done that thinking ahead of time and saying, you know, what are we going to be open to? What works for us? What doesn't? So when the situation came up, they were ready to move on it.
1: Absolutely. That's awesome. Wow. So, so all yeah, the families that you work exciting. with, they, all the families you work with, do they always go through multiple adoption agencies and attorneys?
0: Uh, y yeah,
1: almost always. yes. I'm sure that helps because you get your, the word out all over the country, just like that. So I'm sure that's a, that's a big, big thing to do. Well, yes. thank you so yeah, much exactly. for joining us today. I know we covered a lot and I appreciate your stories and your tips of how adoption has changed and it definitely has, and it definitely will in the future. So, um, maybe we'll call you back maybe we won't wait 30 six episodes for right. you. Back on. <laughs> <Six> episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you coming back on today. And I just like if you could share with the folks uh, how they could contact you and, uh, and your adoption consultancy.
0: Yeah, sure. The best way is on the website. It's the adoption com, um, Or you can shoot me an email. It's probably it's kind of a long email, so it's probably best to use the link right on the website, but they can email me directly at Nicole at the adoption consultancy.com or our office phone number is 813-681-6232.
1: Very good. And if you just Google Nicole Witt, you'll see a bunch of different things that she's done for all sorts of different um, uh, articles and newscasts that she's done over the years. So it uh, appreciates all of you done. You are a, a vast resource for many across the country. And uh, I know you have I've seen you on a lot of TV shows uh, just doing quick little things about people asking really simple questions Mm -hmm. about adoption. So uh, you definitely, you get the word out and we appreciate all your work in the adoption world.
0: Thank you so much. And thanks for having me back on, Tim.
1: Absolutely. Great to talk to you again, Nicole. We'll talk to you again soon.
0: Okay, take care.
1: Yep. Bye-bye. All right. I love this episode today. So many great tips and stories and advice from Nicole about how adoption has changed over the years. I hope you got a lot out of this interview. I know I did. And to learn more and to get help on your infant adoption journey, I invite you to go check out Nicole's site, theadoptionconsultancy.com. Give her a call, send her an email. She will definitely help you on your journey, at least figure out where you are, where you want to go and maybe you want to use her services to help you adopt. But of course, all you can find all these links, everything that we talked about in the show today on the show notes at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 53. As we talked about in the interview, I love adoption profile videos. They've worked so well for all three of our adoptions. And I've had a lot of people ask me how to create good video, how to come up with something that uh, will make sense and and help reach out to expectant parents. So, I've come up with some free video training for you. Just go over to adoptionprofilevideo.com and enter your name and email, and I'm just going to send you three free videos that'll help you get you started on creating your own amazing profile video. Not a blah one, not one that will make you look bad, but one that'll make you look great and one that will help reach uh, expectant parents as you go through the infant adoption journey because that's really what it's about. You need to reach those families, those parents, those those mothers who are looking to make an adoption plan. And that's how you can do it effectively through an amazing adoption profile video. So I hope you go do that. And you can go over also to infantadoptionguide.com forward slash welcome, where you can get four free adoption books, get on my website and check those out. Uh, If you just enter your name and email, I will send you those eBooks, help you save time, money, and stress, and really help you on your adoption journey as we go. And I hope to uh, see you there. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, you are in my prayers as you go through the adoption journey to build your family. God bless you. Thanks for listening
0: to my dad.